Hello, welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Wyma. And just a quick announcement for anybody out there who's looking to uh, have some help in Flutter, Rust, or Elixir, feel free to go ahead and reach out to us uh, at our website, Plangora, P-L-A-N-G-O-R-A.com. And go ahead and contact us if you're interested in some consulting work. Uh, that's actually what's sponsoring the podcast. So if you guys enjoyed the podcast, need some help, need some training, just go ahead and reach out to us. Otherwise, let's start the main show. Today, we have a very interesting, very special guest, Victor. Uh, how, how do you say your last name again? It's Victor Lidholt. Is that correct? That's correct. I forgot to ask you how to say it, but you did spell it out for me. Uh, Victor Lidholt, you're, you're Swedish, right? I am Swedish, yeah. Uh, I just talked to another, another Swede recently, actually yesterday or the day before. He's working on an eGUI project in Rust. All right, cool. So I think I think the Rust community out there is pretty big, and uh, Flutter seems also quite big too, right? You said there's 900 people in your meetup. Right. So yeah, it's been, I think, a great interest over here for Flutter, probably everywhere. <laughs> That's huge. 900 people in a in a room would be ridiculous. But in, in any case, right? Um, let's get back to back on topic because we always go off topic on the show. Uh, you are working on this awesome project called ServerPod, which is a way that you can write. I would say full stack app in Dart, right? You have your front end in, in Flutter and your back end in pure Dart, if I understand correctly. Yeah, so. Why don't you go ahead and give a quick, give, give us the elevator pitch, right? Because you're always out there getting, you're trying to raise money right now. So go ahead and talk about it. Right, so, I mean, basically I, I've been working with Flutter actually since before Flutter was released. I worked at Flutter team at Google uh, when I lived in, in the US. Uh, but uh, I used Flutter for my, my last startup. We built a news app and I was really missing having a good backend in Dart. Uh, it was quite pain, painful to actually build a backend. I mean, Flutter worked great for the front end, but uh, you know, Firebase isn't great for all apps. So, um, yeah, basically, I took, I spent like the past six, eight months now to, to build the first version of ServerPod, which is basically a um, backend for Flutter, written in Dart, so you can use the same language all across the stack, which is super convenient. And um, yeah, it works really well. Um, what ServerPod does, also that's, I think is really cool, it will actually analyze your backend code. So you write an endpoint, you just add your methods there and uh, ServerPod will run the Dart analyzer on your code to figure out all the methods you used. And then it produces a corresponding uh, client for it in Dart. So basically when you, whenever you call a ServerPod method on the server, it's like just calling a local method in your app. So that makes it very, very simple to write the backends. And it will also set up um, uh, links to your database, so you get like typed access to, to the database, which is also very convenient. So you can basically just grab an object from the database, send it to your client, and it's all like pure Dart. So I guess there was a little bit more than the elevator pitch, but uh, that is the basics of ServerPod. Well, you make some extremely bold claims on your website, and I'm not too sure how 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 it holds up. All right. But I think most developers don't really say 
so many good things and you know uh, about their own code right because we all know that our code is basically digital duct tape (laughs) (laughs) for a certain extent right so let me let me kind of go through these claims right so you say you have world-class logging right logging is huge and right uh, for any kind of serious production app why is it that you say you have world-class logging right it seems like you have some kind of tool where you can actually hook into the logs somehow so i mean serverpod is in a beta version right now so the actual logging tool isn't released just yet, but it will be coming in the next few months. So I have a obviously working version on, on my server. But a big issue when you're developing servers is, is the logging, where you, <clears throat> so some say something, a call takes time in your server. It takes maybe two seconds to execute. Um, ServerPod will log that in the database together with the actual calls you made in SQL. So basically you can just pinpoint those actual method calls. You can see which uh, database uh, queries were made. You can click query, see you know how long time did each query take and get that straight back to your Dart code. Uh, so, and obviously it also will log, you know, things like exceptions and all that stuff, but it doesn't just log it in a single huge text file it will break it up so you can follow it and search your logs and do a whole bunch of cool stuff with that to very quickly pinpoint the errors you have in your code and you can also change the logging settings of your server in runtime so basically if you notice like a method is slow you can change the logging level there on just that single method uh, or an endpoint so I would say that's pretty unique to ServerPod compared to most other server frameworks. So wait, how, how does that work? You said it's not stored in a single file, right? The logging. So like if I want to go back in time and see what crashed while I was away. Right. You said there's, there is a storage mechanism for that somehow, somewhere. Is that using Redis or where is it all stored at? It's using uh, your Postgres database. Uh, well, I mean, my own code. Uh, you said that there's some database logs. Like where is the logging kind of persisted? It's persisted in the database. Okay, so there's a there's a database table that gets created, and then all the logs from the database and even from your code will get persisted to the database, and then we can run queries on that to re- to see what happened in the past. So, so basically, uh, ServerPod is very tightly coupled with your Postgres database, which allows you to do a whole bunch of different things that you wouldn't be able to do from the server otherwise. So basically, you can do things like um, future calls, which is basically you call a method sometime in the future and will serialize that code down, uh, that call down in the database and pick it up, you know, in a week or so say you have a user signing up to your website and you want to send him an email one week from now. You can just say call this method with this object in one week. And even if you restart the server or whatever, it will still be there. Uh, so things like that you it's very hard to do unless you couple the database pretty closely with the server. So, uh, I mean, it, it makes the choice for you to use Postgres. On the other hand, you get like a whole bunch of these features for free that you otherwise would, you know, need to hook up with cron jobs or some other service outside your, you know, regular server. So I could say exactly seven days from now. So seven times 24. Yeah. That could be that exact you're saying. Plus minus like a few seconds, maybe. For those. Oh, then it's not that good. Plus, minus a few seconds could be life and death, right? Right. I mean, if you want to do something, <laughs> it, it can be. <laughs> but um, 
in in this case, I mean that's uh, I made it that way for more like efficiency reasons. You you can use normal futures if you need like a specific timeline, but maybe that won't be persisted in the database then. Okay. I think if you do like a actually a delayed future, it's not guaranteed to be executed at that specific time either. So. Yeah, I'm not too sure how that's done, but I'm guessing some type of preemptive scheduling happens or something like that. I'm, I'm not too sure. Yeah. How about the built-in caching that you guys have? That, I'm guessing that must be using Redis, right? Because I did see that you actually have to have Redis and Postgres running in order to run this. Right. So it uses actually two methods. It uses a local cache within your server. If you some some items you only need to like if you run a cluster of servers you only need it to be cached on your on a specific machine uh, if it doesn't need to be exactly the same for all servers in the cluster um, you can just use the a local cache and then it's just cached in Dart uh, but you can also use a global cache and then you use Redis and you can share it across a number of servers uh, you can also do like messaging between servers through Redis. So basically the pub sub, it has an interface for that. It's like super use, easy to use from, from Dart. Why not just use the pub sub from Postgres? That already is pretty solid, no? Uh, yeah, maybe I should look into that too. Uh, I mean, it, it's not like written in stone the way I built things. Uh, and I think that's also a really nice thing with a sort of Dart abstraction. You can change these decisions at a later point if, um, you know, Postgres is a better solution for PubSub or Redis. But I mean, for caching, I think Redis is definitely a good choice, sort of the standard choice, and it has good PubSub, so that scales well across, you know, really big infrastructures. Uh, and I'm kind of curious, for the PubSub, are you also using that with the WebSockets too? Because you do have WebSocket support, right? Right. Yeah, so basically you want to use uh, PubSub for that. Typically, say you are writing a, a chat, then you will use the data streams. So basically, it will stream serialized objects that you pass to to server pod, and then you can pass them back and forth. Uh, but you probably want to listen to the messages so you can like route them to the correct user. So you can set up a channel for each. Um, user and send messages to that channel and then it will either be routed like locally on the machine or through redis if it's uh, you know if you have a cluster of servers and and the recipient isn't on the same server so the clustering is it always happening through PubSub through uh, redis is that how you cluster everything right i think that's uh, <clears throat> uh i may look into other solutions for doing that in the future too where you could potentially have a a server that has a, acts as a controller between all the like subservers, so basically controls the cluster. But I think um, uh, most, if you look at solutions where you will eventually host your your server, you probably want to use something like Fargate. If you use AWS, for instance, that automatically scales up and scales down your instances, uh, and then by far the easiest way to communicate with these servers is through Redis. Because they they are not it's really hard to set up the servers through AWS for Fargate so that they get like you can find them from each other. 
but you can have like Redis as a central point where you can pass information through. Yeah, that that, that makes some sense. Um, yeah, but the deployment, I mean, you are requiring two types of external services, right? You have you, you have to have Postgres, which I think is okay. I think everybody offers that. Yeah. To me, that's kind of like the, that's the gold standard in terms of open source databases for like storing data. Right. But Redis is, yeah, it's still popular, but it is one more requirement that you have to have, right? So do we actually need to require both in order to have a system? Uh, right, right now. I mean, it would be pretty easy to make Redis optional, but I think... For any sort of series project, you probably want to use some sort of external caching too. Uh, so Redis is a good choice. And when you develop this on your server, server pod will like, the only things you actually need to have installed on your like local laptop is Flutter, obviously, and Dart. Um, and you need to have Docker installed and server pod will like set everything up for you. So it's really easy to get started with. Uh, when you deploy it, you need to set up, you know, Postgres and Redis, but that's, if you use any sort of hosted services like Google Cloud or AWS, that's also really easy. Yeah, this is true, um, but um, not every service will, I mean, most websites are not that popular, right? So caching may not always be required. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you're not required to use it, but I guess maybe I should make Redis more optional like it could be, I think for, for most like serious application, you most likely want to run them on, on a cluster of servers either way, just for like availability. If a server goes down, you don't want the whole thing to crash until you get it up again. So it's, it's not just about performance. It's also about redundancy. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I totally agree. But the only thing I'm just thinking about, like, because of Flutter, I think getting into Dart is become more accessible for a lot of people and people are interested in making their own backend, but requiring the more external dependencies you have to require from them to set up is a really a more of an entry barrier for them. Right. You, you, I mean, we definitely have a point there. Yeah. So I wonder if it, it, it may be worth it like to be able to say, okay, we recommend you have Redis, but if you don't have Redis, these things are not available. And then like, you have to like switch them off somehow or something like that based on if you have a Redis connected, maybe there's that there could be something there. Right. I mean, that would be an easy change. I should probably, that's a great idea. I should definitely implement that. Yeah. I mean, do, do you actually have, I actually didn't even look at the deployment side, right? I think one of the other things that if you're looking for, for some feedback, right, as you can see, I'm more than happy to give you, to give you, it's easy to criticize, but not yeah. easy to do. Right. So I apologize. That's the way I'm coming off that. I'm just kind of thinking about my own background and also what I see in the community as I'm browsing through Facebook and Reddit. What about um, some deployment guides on here? I didn't really see any, but I didn't really look too hard, right? Right. Uh, one deployment guide that would be really great to have would like be like Heroku or these kind of easy push services. Exactly. I mean, that, that's the idea to to get it to, to a point where it's super easy to, to deploy. What, what it's on the website is really, you know, the roadmap for the 1.0 version. Uh, and that may be like a month or two out but um, it's everything is already working. So if you look at the GitHub page, it will say exactly what stuff are not yet implemented. So the deployment side is one of those things that you know will provide a good script for you know getting it up on AWS very easily or Google Cloud. Or I mean, both of those services are are the most popular and 
most people who want to host this. As I say, we do have uh, somebody, I don't know if this is true or not, but um, somebody asked on the live chat on YouTube, why is ServerPod not working on Windows? Right. I mean, that's also uh, something I, I'm working on. Uh, I just haven't, you know, taken the time to get it working on Windows yet. But there was actually a pull request from a guy that has made a, a version for Windows. So uh, I, I'm looking at that. I just need to set up Windows on my machine, on my machine so I can, you know, try it out. I'm a pretty bad Mac fanboy. And also, if you look at there are very few, actually, there are much, much fewer people using Windows for Flutter development than um, the Mac. It's probably only 10%. So that's, I just made it good for Mac first. But it's definitely coming. Really? Okay. You, you think it's 10% of people out there on Mac, or 10% people out there on Windows using Flutter? Is that right? I think there's quite few. I mean, I based this solely on uh, the, the stats from ServerPod, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really hard to do iOS apps on Windows. So I, I think that's the main reason, actually. But... Yeah, I, I, I think so. But I think a lot of developing countries, Android's so much cheaper, and Windows is always included on a, on a cheap laptop. Or otherwise, Linux, right? It would be the last choice. But there's so many people using Windows that it's hard to ignore that. Yeah, so I can understand, obviously. like, maybe it's a problem of, um, what is it, available APIs, right, with POSIX and things like that. Those are usually more compliant, easier to work with. So that's why I like to use Mac because, number one, it's nicer to use. I like the UI. It's also very similar to Linux. Number three, it's POSIX compliant. So a lot of things just kind of work out of the box. And like you said, you can't really develop iOS apps on Windows or even Linux, right? So you're going to have to, to – this makes more sense. Uh, we, we actually have another question in the audience. They're, they're asking um, – this is a pretty good question. Is it is is uh, ServerPod an alternative to Supabase? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, I would say. Um, right now, they sort of serve slightly different use cases. I mean, Superbase is uh, pretty similar to Firebase, where were you working more with uh, serverless, uh, and, and for many applications, that not that's not super great. You may want to, for instance, say you are in these serverless uh, servers or solutions. You basically store everything to the database, right? If you do a lot of updates that gets very expensive. Uh, so say you are writing a game or you are writing, maybe it's a communication tool where you draw on the whiteboard, just getting like all those little things over across the server would be very, very expensive if you use something like Firebase or Superbase. So in these cases, you definitely want to have a solution similar to ServerPod where you can just pipe those through without you know going through the database maybe save that like snapshot once a minute or, you know. Um, so, I mean, that's uh, definitely one one reason to use ServerPod. Also, the serverless gets very expensive, uh, at least Firebase is, I haven't really looked into Superbase pricing and that, but Firebase gets really expensive. So 
and it may be also tricky to change the ar architecture of your app later on. Um, so those are, I think they're really great for getting started fast, right? But if you build a serious project, you probably will grow out of them at some point and may need to switch to some other solution. And that's really where ServerPod comes in. So, I mean, ServerPod is designed to build, you know, real big advanced applications, but uh, at the same time, getting started should be super easy too. So I try to, you know, find the best of two worlds there. And obviously uh, when it comes to the uh, sort of uh, document database uh, that you will have in Superbase or Firebase, uh, the plan is to build something like that into ServerPod 2. Probably, sl I, I'm imagining doing that with type data, which would be much, much easier to use. We have like a data structure where you can actually, you know, get help from the static an analysis of your code and get suggestions and autocomplete when you're coding. Um, and that's a pretty big drawback of um, this document databases where you need to actually know the names of everything and basically work with JSON structures. So, so it would be really nice to have an abstraction layer on top of that as typed. So I, I mean, that's a little bit further out, but definitely something that, I, that I'm planning to build for, for ServerPod. And also looking at Superbase, it seems like it's a, it's a bunch of different languages put together. I saw them looking for Golang experts and then they use Elixir for part of their pieces and they also use JavaScript, of course. So it seems like it's really a, a bunch of stuff as compared to yours where it's just, okay, everything's in Dart. Right. Right. So it's a little bit easier. So, I mean, it seems like you're, but yours is definitely more coupled, right? Yeah. Like when you do, when you do ServerPod, you, you create both your server and your Flutter app at the same time, right? It's like, was it ServerPod create or something? I forgot what the term was, the, uh, the command. So, so basically when you do the ServerPod create, you will create a ServerPod project, which is like the server, client code and Flutter code. So you get everything set up and ready to go. Um, but, um. I mean, you, you don't necessarily need to have a Flutter client. It's a JSON API that it creates. So you can, could potentially build it for, you know, JavaScript or whichever languages you like or native. So I, I'm thinking I'm starting making it really, really good for Flutter uh, and probably the web too for building websites. Um, because for many apps, that, that was also a problem that I, had when I built my news app because you need to have some uh, actual web pages to be able to share stuff. For instance, like a news article, you need to have that as a website. It can't just be an app or like a web app uh, for Flutter to or for to get good indexing from Google and you know the SEO and all these things. Uh, so it's really nice to be able to write all that in Dart as well and have a really good you know, web server, we can use the same backend for both web server and your APIs and it just you know, connects nicely together. Okay, we have a, a, another return question, which is pretty good. And I think you said that I can ask you some questions about being at Google, oh, I don't right. know if this is what you're thinking about, but uh, he says that we, we heard that Google also is developing server-side framework on Dart. 
which is similar to Django. Is this true? Uh, I don't know. Uh, and probably if I knew, I may not be able to say. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But I do. But you do know that um, I think everybody knows. I, I haven't seen that, no. What, what I would say, though, it is pretty clear that they are using Dart for backend, right? So it's not like this Dart is impossible. I'm kind of curious about why they're not releasing or, or kind of pushing out any kind of framework in Dart, which I think is something interesting. Like, if, with what I heard, there's like 2 million or something lines of Dart just for like their Google AdSense or something like that. I forgot what they were talking about. But it seems weird that like they have all this backend in Dart, but there's not like anybody doing a web framework besides you and, and you know, besides you that I can know of that's actually actively working on it. There's nothing from Google saying, hey, this is our thing, right? There's only like shelf. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, I, there's uh, nothing else I'm aware of that's being actively developed, right? Great. It's a great starting point, I guess, if you just need a quick web server, but for building anything a little bit more serious, I think, no, it's not quite there. But I mean, as a language, I, I would say Dart is really nice for working with on the server side too. There, there's nothing in in the language that feels like a limitation. I wish it had pattern matching. That's what I wish it had. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, that's a big limitation for me. All right. In, in which use cases would you use pattern matching? Uh, oh, you, well, you're in Sweden, right? So I use a lot of Elixir for my backends. I quite like it. I think it's quite scalable. Um, Superbase uses it for the real-time engine for their Postgres broadcasting changes out. Um, it's built, you know, that's how WhatsApp is run, is using Erlang, similar technology. Yeah. Uh, when you start pattern matching and pulling things out, it's really quite a lot of fun. Yeah. So when, when a parameter comes in, you could pattern match the things that you really care about, which is really makes it quite fun. Right. I actually, my first computer programming class was in a language called Standard ML. I don't know if you know of this. I don't think anyone had heard of it outside of like computer science, but it's uh, very heavily built. It's a very functional programming language and it's built, you know, a lot on pattern matching. Um, it has pretty advanced pattern matching, which is cool. But uh, it's like a whole other way of thinking about programming. You don't miss pattern matching? Uh, I think for some use cases, definitely can be useful. But uh, yeah, I haven't really been missing it that much. Oh, okay. You and I are totally different people. I, I miss it all the time. <laughs> I, I like Dart. I like, I like Dart. Don't get me wrong, uh, or else I wouldn't be doing this podcast, right? But I do love pattern matching. It's really a lot of fun. It's hard to... There's some situations, like you said, that really make it shine, but then there's some situations where it doesn't really help you so much. So I can agree on that aspect. But I, I like the um, union types though. I wish Dart had something similar where you could say like a maybe and then you can unwrap it. I think that would be a great addition actually to Dart, the, the, the union types. But um, I think they're talking about doing something similar, but I don't remember what it's called. Not called a union type, but it's a similar thing. Okay. So maybe it's coming. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm still waiting to see what's going on. But there's supposed to be some interesting stuff happening. Uh, but 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 back on topic, right? Um, so the last question, yeah, about the, the the part. So what actually got you thinking about creating ServerPod, right? What was it that you're just like, hey, I just got to do this? Was it just when you were at Google, you ran into Dart and just kind of fell in love with the language and wondered why nobody was doing this? Yeah, I mean... Um... I didn't have the idea when I worked at Google, I was kind of focused on, I actually built like a gaming 
engine for for Flutter there. Uh, it's not super well supported anymore, unfortunately. Maybe I should, you know, take an evening and make sure it's up to date with the latest versions. And it's called um, uh, Sprite Widget. If anyone want to have a look at that and maybe have a go at bringing it up to speed with the latest versions, it's actually still pretty good. But um, uh, anyway, um, but I also worked, you know, on the Flutter stuff. Um, it was like when I started working at Google, it wasn't even called Flutter, it was called Sky. And then they acquired some other company that had a Flutter name that they took and used for for Flutter. Um, so, I, I mean, I really enjoyed working with Dart. I, I've been working a lot with Java before. I worked with Objective-C uh, and I've been building a lot of apps. Uh, I, I built a lot of tools for um, mobile gaming in the past uh, that was actually used by you know some of the world's biggest game companies to build the games which was cool um, but um, I think Dart first time I saw it it felt you know almost a little bit like a toy language but when you get used to it it's, I, it's like they really took a good look at you know how to make this syntax nice and easy to understand. And if you're coming from, you know, the Java background, been working with JavaScript, Java, or these languages, it's like you instantly understand how to use it. It's very intuitive, I think. Uh, and obviously there's a few quirks and syntactic sugars, like this dot in the constructors and stuff that you, first time you see it, it's like, ah, what is this? But, uh, I mean, I felt productive in Dart in just, you know, a couple of days. Um, and I think that was cool. So I really liked the language. And I also like what they've done, that you can pretty much run it anywhere, right? It compiles to native code. You can run it in, you know, as a script, uh, compiles to JavaScript. It's not, not so many languages with the same sort of, you know, compatibility i guess c++ in some sense you can run pretty much anywhere but apart from that it really works everywhere and it's fast efficient nice garbage collect so um yeah and or i built my other startup with uh, with flutter and uh, it was a really great experience uh, for the flutter part uh but yeah, I really missed having the sort of same experience on the server side, if you will. Um, so uh, I, I, view, I, I think of like ServerPod a little bit like the missing part of Flutter that I wanted to have. What was it that you missed so much about that you had to bring Dart back? Like, what was it that, I mean, because you said you've been working with a lot of different languages. What is it that Dart really makes it so attractive? Is that really that it's so familiar and so so easy to kind of like become second nature. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, I mean, I felt that way. And I think also that sort of, it has great, really great tooling around it too. We, we like, the, um, uh, I wrote some other backends in Python, like way back, I did PHP. And it's just, you know, such a pain to use because the tooling is not as good as it is with, with Dart. So I think that's a, a big thing. Uh, and also it's not necessarily, you know, Dart as a language, but it's really nice to have the same language on both the client and server. I think that's the biggest benefit that you, it's so much easier to jump between them. 
when you, when you're building your app and you know you don't have to um, yes context switch or you know being really good at two different languages you can just like master one and be good with it um now i'm kind of curious so so is if i use server pod am i only able to do some api stuff i cannot do any kind of server-side rendering uh, you're talking like <clears throat> server-side rendering as in flutter rendering or well that would be nice but i don't think you're you're able to do that but i think yeah like actually creating like html templates right so i it's kind of experimental yet but i did build a i call it relic because it's like i guess that's what web pages are in a sense it's like the old thing but i i have a, a package for server pod called relic server pod relic that provides, you know, templating and all that stuff for building HTML pages. So I use that or something very similar to that for uh, for my news app to build the web pages there. Um, so that it definitely works, but it's not, you know, super polished. The rest of the server pod is, you know, much closer to being actual, you know, 1.0, but definitely something that I'm going to add in there. Um, and probably merge them together so it's you know you have it out of the box we have a question from the audience uh what are some use cases of using streams with uh server pod sorry he spelled server pod wrong so it took me a moment i don't know if he's talking about river pod or <laughs> the wording was a little bit weird but uh server pod so what are some use cases using streams with server pod sorry you need to use the streams whenever you want to push data from the server to the client. So typical uh, use case is you're writing a chat, right? You send a message and you want to have that message as soon as I send it to you, rather than, you know, checking or polling that you would otherwise do. Um, so it's when you need to stream data both ways, rather than just making a request and getting a response. Um, so I would say that's the typical use case for that. It can also be a little bit more efficient, I guess, uh, because you have the connection open all the time and you can ask, you know, if you need to send more data. There can be use cases like that too. When you say chat, that is that short for something? What did I say? I, you said, I think you, maybe I heard the word wrong, but you said um, streams are good for using something like a, a chat. Did you say S-H-A-T, chat or something? What, no. Did you say no. chat? Chat. C-H-A-T. C-H-A-T, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I thought maybe it was an acronym for something else. Okay. Uh, no, no, no. So when you're chatting, okay. Chatting. Got it. When you're chatting, it would make sense to send it across. It's probably my swingish coming through there. No, it's okay. I deal with, you know, people from all different backgrounds. I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Right. So when you're chatting and you want to push the messages out rather than polling and seeing if there's anything new, right? Right. Okay. Now, do you actually have the ability, I'm thinking to myself, like, because I said before, like I use a lot of Elixir, which really cool is that you can kind of hold on to and you can kind of um, mark who's online. So there must be a way that you can kind of aggregate this data too. also like some kind of way that you could say, okay, these sockets are assigned to this user ID. So I know how many sessions are belonging to this user ID. You can do something similar, right? Yeah. You can keep track of who's actually there. I don't know what the, what use case you're thinking for this, but it's definitely a really easy task with ServerPod to do that. Um, it provides basically you have authentication you can authenticate with like google or apple social logins or email uh, and you have on the server side you just assigned or assigned with a user id 
Uh, and this also works with streaming. So when you open a stream and you have authenticated with, with your server pod, this is basically just two or three lines of code. You just drop in a widget with a signing bot button on, um, in your Flutter, um, in your Flutter code. And then you click that and it will handle all this authentication for you. Uh, so you can just see, you know, which connected users are having the same user ID. If that's something you want to do, but, um, uh, that's another thing I, I, I haven't seen anywhere else. Uh, so right now I've only written basically two modules for Cyberpod, but it has the ability to write modules. So the ones I have not so far is, uh, authentication. And there's also a, a, a chat module where you can just drag, drag and drop a chat into your, your app. Uh, and the cool thing with this is that the module contains both the server code and client code and uh, your Flutter code. So you can write modules and they get sort of their own namespace within ServerPod. So they, you know, won't collide. And then you have the ability to, you know, I'm, I'm hoping the community will come up with more modules eventually, but it could be things like having a, a admin interface. You can just drag that into as a module because it's a, will probably be pretty similar to most apps, what you want to have there. Um, and then you have both, you know, the server part for it, but also the client or the flutter part of it already made. So, so my vision for this is basically when you're building an app, so you're doing a new Twitter, you, you, you can just grab, drag in, um, authentication module, you drag in, a admin backend and then a preference page and it all just connects together and you don't have to do all this boring stuff. Eventually you may want to have, you know, your own layouts for, for the preference page or whatever, but, uh, you have a starting point for that. That makes it really quickly to get down to building the actual app where you build, you know, the Twitter stream and the messages and you have all the other stuff there for free. Um, so, so that's really where I want to go with, with ServerPod and having that sort of easy drop of modules that you can just drop in and get started really quickly. And it can be things like, you know, payment subscriptions, all this stuff um, that people just spend so much time, you know, writing their own when they really you know, most of the apps have very similar requirements, at least when it comes to, you know, things like authentication or preferences or admin for seeing which users you have or reporting users, if you have a social platform or whatever it can be. Yeah, that's pretty nice. It's like a marketplace where you can kind of drag and drop stuff on, but then you have to worry about, can I customize these things, right? Because I may have some, like if I want modules to connect somehow, that would be the tricky part. Yeah, definitely. But uh, as with most, you know, Dart packages or Flat packages, they're also open source. So you can have a starting point and, you know, you have access to the whole ecosystem or like all parts of the server. So I think the, the vision is to make it, you know, very accessible, easy to get started with, but never, you know, Build it, I'm building it in layers so you can basically replace 
the top layer, which may be the visual presentation with your own level layer from presentation and still have the logic already done, which may be, you know, a pure dark package. Um, so that way you can, you know, um, get access to the full stack. And if you're really missing something, even in the sort of logic, you can, you know, build your own module for that. And maybe the server part is good enough. Um, or you can just have it as a starting point if you want to build out new things for, for a module. And hopefully share that with the rest of the community. I mean, uh, that's something that I really like about the whole Flatter community. It feels like people are really sharing their the code and, you know, widgets that I built and stuff like that. So definitely something I want to bring to ServerPod as well. Yeah. So if they want to get a hold of your modules that you created, is that all on uh, Dart, uh, was it pub.dev? Right. It's all there. Uh, but I think the best thing is to go to, uh, uh, to the GitHub repository. It's all in the GitHub repository too. You can find it there. I mean, I'm working on so many things in parallel right now. One is getting the documentation up to par. Uh, so that would be done, you know, it's pretty soon. I'm also, you know, building a team. So if someone out there feel like they want to work with this, uh, there's definitely space for a couple of more uh, developers uh, also raising money at the same time. And that process is doing, going pretty well. So, I mean, right now it's, a man, one man show, but you know, in a couple of months, I'm hoping this will be like a whole team and we can, you know, really, you know, bring this forward. So many of the, the sort of one that version is something I know that I can get together myself, but you know, to bring all like the whole vision of, you know, what server pod will become in the future really needs the whole team to get going. Yeah, but this is true. Um, somebody in the audience asked. Is it possible to create schemas and define extensions like UUID? UUID. Um, I guess this is, uh, I, I mean, I'm a little unsure what the, in, in which context or we're talking about the database here, perhaps, or? I'm trying to get more clarification, but I think that's what they're talking about because that would make sense because you're talking about schemas. So usually schemas talking about the UU, uh, sorry, the database structure and about UUID. So I'm guessing he's asking about, um, can you actually turn on your UIDs and use them within uh, ServerPod? Uh, I mean, right now it doesn't have support for UUID, but um, I mean, that would be a pretty easy extension. I was actually looking at doing that, but you can also represent the UUID by a string. So, I mean, that could be an option, but um, right. Um, I mean, the sky is the limit really. Um, for what can be done. So I just made like, I started by doing the basics and making sure everything is, you know, work, working really well within that context. And then obviously extensions like that is something that would be very interesting to add in the future. It has support for all the basic types of, of uh, Postgres, like dates and stuff like that. But no PostJS, right? PostJS. Uh, post PostJS, or uh, that's the uh, extension for um, geography, GIS. Ah, okay, yeah. I mean, you you can always do uh, like just send you know pure Postgres queries that you write. So you can do all that stuff if you need to with Postgres, no problem. 
there's like no limitations. You may not get like the full sort of dart support for everything you do, but you can do these more advanced things. So there's no limitations on what you can do. You just need to go one layer deeper to do it. Now, ServerPod uh, can actually can I actually use some of the pieces of Superpod and say other projects or everything's really, really coupled together? It's pretty coupled together right now. Um, I don't know what you're thinking of for pieces like the ORM, for instance, maybe. Yeah, I'm thinking like for ORM, like maybe it would be useful, like if I could, you know, build a backend PDF generation that would read from the database and generate a PDF. Right. Um, I mean, you you do say your your RM is really really good. I'm not gonna say it isn't because I haven't played with it. But <laughs> yeah. if it's so good, I may want to consider pulling that out. Like, I may not need an HTTP interface for it. Right. I may not even need a Flutter one. I just want to build something really nice using AOT from from Dart. Right. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I mean, potentially you can. You have all the code there on on GitHub. But um, I think um, uh, f for that, for instance, it, it, what it the benefit of ServerPod is really that it's, it is coupled together because you have the same, you use the same code for writing your database schema as you do for, you know, the objects you will send to your client. Uh, so it's in the same place. So that's really the, the power of it, uh, that it is made to work like very smoothly together. So I would say like the sum of the, sum of the parts are, you know, bigger than the parts themselves perhaps but you also said that um i'm not required to actually use flutter i could just build a back end using server pod and use the exposed api to do everything i want to do right absolutely um right now to do that um uh the that's one part that there's like not documentation for yet so you you would have to dive into the code probably to see exactly how you know every JSON object is, you know, packaged up. Um, but I think the better way to do it would be to add another module for, for the code generation to generate the whole, you know, client for another language. Uh, and it's already written to, you know, be extendable that way. So right now it's just has a dot generation module, but we should really have you know, in the future, other languages there as well. And then you have like the same benefit of, you know, just being able to call a method rather than, you know, writing your own REST APIs. Yeah, I think, doesn't Google actually do something similar like that where they spit out something and then that would like do all the SDKs for them? Right, it's, uh, are you thinking of gRPC maybe? No, not that, like, um, I was looking at some, so like I said, I use Elixir and I, and I was looking at the, some of the SDKs that they released and when you look at them, you just feel there's something strange because they're not very, you know, things would be Dart-like, things would be JavaScript-like, Pythonic, right? These kind of idiomatic yeah. ways of interacting with APIs, but you look at it and you're like, mm, something is just not right and then the documentation is kind of too robotic uh -huh. and so you just look at it and you're like okay i think this is generated from something so i think that's actually how google does it is that they have some kind of uh or, or wait we can roll back to and stop talking about google in particular right like i think something like um 
Postman and um, these other ones that they can just read an API and then they could just outspit or they can read that that YAML file. The uh, what is that thing called? Swagger YAML and then that could just spit out very basic code that can do what you want to do based on the YAML. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think there are definitely, if you look at like the Google APIs, they definitely are generated from something. I'm not sure exactly from what, uh, uh, but, but that's, as you say, so uh, there are like full Dart APIs for the whole Google API set, but it, it doesn't really exactly feel like it's Dart. It's coming from something else. But I, I don't know. I haven't dug into exactly how they do that or where it comes from. I'm kind of curious, like, uh, I, I'm kind of a big fan of GraphQL. I like that everything's kind of typed and a little bit more clear. Uh, how come you didn't use something like that that's, you know, like you can just spit out GraphQL, you can read it dynamically, and then you can just generate code from that. But you're using something a little bit more custom, right? Or you actually, it is actually a standard API interface that you're using right now. It is it is pretty custom for for ServerPod, but it's also based on on JSON, so it's you know standardized in that way, I guess. But um, um, yeah, I, I I think too, it's a it's a little bit of a balance reusing things that other people have done, uh, and you know. One of the goals for ServerPod is to make everything as seamless as possible for for Dart users, right? Like the whole experience from from the server to to the client, just making it feel easy and uh, not complicated. Even though you know the code behind it, some of it is really complicated, like you know analyzing your your Dart code and that stuff took a, it wasn't super easy to do. Because you need to figure out how to use the dot analyzer and get all that working, but um, uh, the code you write is really, really clean, um, and I think that that is a real value to to developers. Just writing something that looks, you know, clean, easy to read, easy to understand what's happening, and just have that experience smooth. And so that's one reason I choose to you know, um, the tech solutions that I did rather than using something that is pre-made uh, and like shoehorn that into the experience. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. And you also wanted to to work with things like uh, null safety, for instance. So that's built into both, you know, the database interface has null safety. Uh, you have null safety in the protocol when you, you know, pass objects to the server it's all with you know you have all those benefits of the dart language which is also really nice and something you typically lack otherwise if you just use you know another rest api yeah but uh graphql also has this idea of things being nullable or not okay yeah so you can also kind of roll back on that too they also have subscriptions that you can also use but you have that that the stream push interface yeah i haven't exactly looked into that that much so it's possible they do similar things now the other thing the other thing too that maybe you can take a look at sorry if i'm kind of dictating you what i think <laughs> you should do again this is just based on my talking with people right just based on what i'm talking to people right maybe it gives you another perspective you oh yeah i mean it's i i love getting all the feedback and i i have to say i mean i just basically 
made that post on Reddit. I, I guess you, that's how you found me for the podcast. But uh, uh, all that feedback I've gotten from that had, has been like, first, it's been like so positive to hear that people really want something like ServerPod. So that that's like great, but there's also so many good ideas from the community and like, why didn't you do it this way? And many things is like, yeah, okay, I didn't know this was a possibility, right? Uh, I've obviously done a whole bunch of research before I started this project, but you know, people's combined hive mind of, you know, ideas and things that can be improved. There's so much great stuff to find there. So I love getting all that feedback and, you know, taking it into back into what I'm building and hopefully what like a whole team is building. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, what I want to say is that there's actually already um, a tool in Dart for GraphQL that can actually generate code for you. Okay. I should definitely check that out and see, you know. That's also why I'm saying too, is that if you want that, like, so GraphQL is a very well-defined interface. I think I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm a little bit, as you can see, I'm a little bit of a fan, but I'm also open to, I mean, I still use REST. I still use other things. Right. So. Right. Um, I'm just trying to think of ways that you can kind of keep it open, but I'm thinking, um, yeah, there's already something there. And after the show, I can send you a contact about who's actually working on it. Oh, that's cool. So I talked to somebody who's actually working on that and maybe it could be interesting. So it could be, okay, you can use our custom interface or you could use this one. That's, you know what I mean? Like another offering that you can have. And then you're not actually working on that too much, right? That is done by somebody else. Right. So integration, right? Um, yeah, because that's, let's see, there's that one. What else am I going to say? Um, yeah, I mean, there's no shortage like of ideas. Like, uh, yeah. I, I want to play with this some more. See how it goes. I, I'm starting to think about using Dart in a serious project for generating PDFs because we're using something with Python right now and it's not very performant. I okay, yeah. Dart will be, we'll probably smoke it in terms of performance. That's definitely an issue with Python. There's a lot of issues with Python. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not my favorite language. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but performance is definitely one of the issues. Maybe you... I mean, for me, when the creator of the language who's, who's self-proclaimed BDFL bows out, that maybe is a problem. <laughs> That's the way I kind of look at it, you know. But I understand there's a story behind that, too. Uh, I mean, Dart's original creators are not there anymore, too, right? So can't say too much. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Dart has a pretty big team behind it at, at Google either way, even if like the original person who started isn't there. Yeah, but actually that's another thing too, is like, it's kind of weird that like Google makes up another language and they're really behind it. But you know, you, when you think about languages that Google uses, like the, the top three is always um, Python, Java, and C is it? Or Go, Go nowadays, right? C is kind of not, there's still stuff written in C, but not really new stuff i think anymore because go is kind of their their big thing right sure there's a whole bunch of c plus plus in there too so this is a pretty interesting question um hi can we listen to changes of documents and queries from the client side with ServerPod? what are some of the pros and cons to firestore can we write api endpoints like cloud functions maybe take this one by one yeah yeah please break it down <laughs> okay <laughs> they're not all related but so the first question is can we listen to changes of documents and queries from the client side with server pod all right so that's something that's not there yet like the document database um obviously you have you can do maybe do it with like postgres code it has support for 
documents similar to Firestore, uh, but it doesn't have like a whole nice, you know, um, uh, it's it's not super nice to use yet, but you can do, I'm sure, with like raw queries. Uh, what you can do instead is, you know, pass messages back and forth. So it depends a little bit on, you know, your use case, what is best if you want to use a, a document database or for many use cases, having a relational database and being able to pass messages is much more efficient and, you know, um, what do you really want to do? But um, yeah, it's something that I'm planning to add for sure in the future too. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I think I'm for, for myself, I'm thinking about if I commit something to a database in Postgres, there's a PubSub built into it. And so what is nice is that actually I was using, um, I had a, I had a chatting system and you could delete your messages and you want to make sure that you deleted it on the client's phone while they're connected. And so what I would do is I would actually broadcast the delete message across the wire to the device. And that was actually built into Postgres. So okay. as soon as it got deleted from the database, that would do a commit after commit, we would then broadcast over PubSub and that would take it out. And then that would fan out to all the different clients listening on the uh, device. Right. So that's, I mean, take with that what you will, but that was a serious use case. Right. So back to the next question, what are some pros and cons to Firestore, I guess, between ServerPod and Firestore? Uh, all right, uh, Firestore, we're talking about the database there. And uh, I think we mentioned some, some of them. Uh, I think the biggest uh, issue with, with Firestore is uh, the, you know, the cost when, when your app grows and you get like a huge client base. Uh, also, for things that you not, don't necessarily need to store in the database, it gets very expensive. Um, uh, and also the, you know, the architecture, the benefits, obviously it's like super easy to get started with. You don't really need to set up anything other than Firebase and just, you know, hook it up. Uh, so it's great to, you know, I think get that initial feeling of like, yeah, I built, built an app, but then when you are, you know, two downs months, you two, two months down the road and you're starting to see like, oh, this may not be so easy. I think, uh, so, I mean, there you have like the benefit of server pod where you have like much more control in how messages are sent. You have also a big disadvantage, I would say for file stories, you know, Google has all your data. You don't have control of that. You can move it to anything else. Once it's there, it's there. It would be very hard to export it or, you know, host it somewhere else. Server pod, you can host anywhere you can run Dart. Um, so you can have it in your basement or you can have it, you know, at Google or AWS or any other service provider. Um, and also, you know, it's way more cost effect effective because it, it handles, you can actually do, you know, caching where it's needed and you don't need to store the things that don't need to be stored. So you can, you know, minimize the use of the database, which is typically the sort of uh, bottleneck in most systems is the database. Um, if you scale something up, that's, it's easy to add more servers and get more computing power, but scaling up the database can be very expensive. So anytime you can limit writes and reads from the database, that's, you know, money saved and, you know, better performance in your whole system. Uh, 
And the, the final question from him is, can we write API endpoints like cloud functions? Like cloud functions. Right. So uh, it's basically, uh, uh, I guess the simple answer is no. You need to write it in your server and upload your server somewhere and run it there. So it's not like uh, single functions that you can have in a like serverless architecture yet in a way. I mean, that, that's something that definitely can change in the future. Um, but that's how it looks at the moment. Now, a question that's in my mind is if you're going to be approaching investors to put money into this, yeah, what's your business model? I mean, the business model is um, to, to build a hosting service around this. So basically make it super easy to, you know, upload your server somewhere. So the cloud would, you know, as easy as pressing a button on entering your domain name or, or it will do everything, all the setup for you. That's the business model. It sounds very complicated to do. I mean, no one has said it's like an easy project, right? Uh, but it's definitely doable. Yeah, definitely doable. There's a lot of companies doing it. Like, uh, of course, because I do so much Elixir, I know about Gig Elixir. They do all this stuff. Yeah. But they're running, uh, I don't know if it's modified or not, but definitely there's Kubernetes involved. Yeah. I suppose you would probably be doing something similar so that you can handle all the scale, right? Right. Do you have a pricing model in mind? Uh, I mean, uh, this is probably at least, you know, six to 12 months out. So, uh I mean, it will be probably be a little bit more expensive than just hosting everything yourself at AWS, but it will be sure less expensive than Firebase, so somewhere in between those. I don't know. Firebase is so expensive. That's what I always hear. I like. Uh, I have a client. They always ask me to do everything in Firebase. Number one, I hate Firebase because of um, the um, unstructured data. Right. Right. I, I think that's also the biggest issue when you like develop your app, you know, to something more serious. Uh, it can be really hard to keep track of that. And not to mention, like, if you do change the structure of your data and the people don't update their app, which is impossible to get people to do. Right. Then you have to write cloud functions in order to handle that backwards compatibility, right? Right. Yeah. And so I would say these are definitely advantages towards ServerPod, right? You have both like the structured data and you have you know, you're passing actual objects in between rather than like a JSON structure and you can write pretty easy backwards compatible as well. Yeah, but now, but you're gonna have the same thing too, right? Because if you couple your, let's say you have your endpoint created, right? then you decide to change it, but they don't update their Flutter app. You don't have a way to actually mitigate that, do you? Do you did you think about this problem? You can still keep your old endpoint. Uh, to support all the versions, and then you can just add a new endpoint with new versions of your, or, or you can add new methods to your server, or you can add more, even to your objects, you can add new properties to them or fields, um, and it's still backwards compatible. So uh, you, you can like extend your server, but you can't really, if you want to keep it backwards compatible, you can't remove stuff from it. Uh, so, so under the hood, you can like up those, those methods if you need, uh, even for older versions, obviously, but you, if you need like new methods, you will need to, you know, uh, maybe add a new endpoint version, for instance. 
definitely easier to keep it all backwards compatible this way. Yeah, it would be nice if you can have a way to like see how many apps are still connecting that are version whatever. Right. Then you can have an idea, okay, I can just cut this endpoint finally. I mean, that's something I, I mean, that's a little bit of a bigger project, obviously, but uh, it would be cool to build into ServerPod even also, you know, uh, analytics, at least in some basic form where you can not use a third-party service for that. That also has, you know, in Europe, potentially privacy implications with um, laws and regulations here. Um, so I think everywhere where you can actually own your own data is a big win. So it would be really nice to, you know, build that straight into the server as well. But, you know, that's a lot of work to make that right. But something I would love to do. And then you could have all that data there. So speaking of a lot of work, somebody also asked, uh, congrats on the project. I have a question. Have you considered using the Drift package as ORM instead of building one from scratch? Drift. Um, I haven't checked that out, so I probably should. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, you know, finding working solutions that as long as it fits nicely in, in the ecosystem or building upon other people's work. Um, but I'm taking a note and checking it out for sure. I sent to your Reddit, so you have it. Thank you. I'm here to help. Cool. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about this one either, right? So I don't think too much about this, but it seems pretty cool. It's actually sponsored by a company called Stream, GetStream.io. Okay. I don't know who this one is. Uh, somebody said it was previously called More, M-O-O-R. So maybe you heard of that one before. I haven't. So, so what was that? Another URM or? More? No, the, the old name of more, sorry, the old name of Drift is actually called more, M-O-O-R. Uh -huh. Okay, no, I haven't seen that either. Okay, I'll drop that to you too. You're welcome. Okay. Seems like a lot of people are really interested. I think this topic is, you picked a pretty good topic in terms of uh, something to work on. There's a lot of people interested in this. Yeah, I, I mean, the response has been amazing. And I, I know it's like super early days. It's, uh, it's work, it's used in production by been used by two apps. So one I've been working on um, over the fall, which is like a, it's basically a virtual office where you can both, it has both chat, but also video messaging and stuff like that. Um, uh, so I got a chance to really try it out and battle test it. Uh, and it's working really great for them. So that's awesome. Uh, so everything is in there is working. There's Definitely a few features that, you know, some would want to have, like, you know, the, the visual log viewer, but also, you know, integrations with more ways to sign in. For instance, now it supports Apple and Google, but you probably want to have, you know, Facebook and Twitter and maybe Firebase could be a smart solution. And uh, so there are like all these pieces of the ecosystem that are not, you know, not all there yet, but it's getting there pretty fast. And, and also so great to see like the response from the community and all the pull requests I've got already. So um, cool that people are checking it out and um, it'll definitely be in a one two version in, in the not far future. So you said the, the production one you've already used for some kind of chatting and video yeah. app, you said? So it's called joinbus.com, like join B-U-Z-Z. -Z dot com i didn't want to join bus like is and get ride the bus and that was the wrong place that is the wrong place so, yeah. okay yeah cool uh so if you 
you know, if people feel like checking that out, they should definitely get on the waiting list and get on there. It's a really cool project too. So you actually did some consulting for them, obviously, right? This helped sponsor the project. Right. Okay. Maybe we should ask them to come on how, what they feel about it, right? Because you're the creator, right? You always, everybody always says, oh, my kid is so great. Right? <laughs> well, you know, not all kids are great. Right. So we'll have to see. Yeah, they seem, they seem generally happy. They have uh, like two other developers. I'm, I'm working like two days a week for them uh, on that project still. So I'm sort of facing that out and facing server podium. So they're using ServerPod for their whole entire backend then? Yeah. The video part, they must be using WebRTC, right? Uh, so yes, it's a WebRTC. We use um, Agora, if you know of it. Yeah, I know Agora. They, yeah, they have a big thing with Flutter, from what I remember. Right. Um, so it's uh, we're using the web, which has been a little bit experimental, but it's it's working pretty well. So it's really coming together. Okay, I was curious if there's some type of like. Um... Because I think there has to be some kind of signaling mechanism when you use a WebRTC. I, I forgot. I haven't looked too much into WebRTC yet, but it's something I'm interested to to use. Yeah, so you need to write the signaling yourself. And uh, if you do like one-on-one chats, that's pretty easy to do. Uh, if you want to do like uh, video conferencing, that is a lot trickier because you need to have some server that coordinates it all and you know can send the actual video streams through and stuff like that. So that's you know where we use agora that would be probably hard to do with server pod you need to write something really custom for that that is you know very you know performance tuned for for video specifically and being able to transform video and audio streams and that stuff in real time so there there are some projects out there that do that so i think maybe that's the next step to eventually for them build their own solution for that but that's a pretty big undertaking yeah so that's that could be another module for you to to sell out right yeah that would be a big module to write but yes yeah i like the challenge okay uh just one last thing that orm called drift uh just want to give you some more background about it and it seems like it was built for sqlite but there's been some progress to make it work for postgres so you may need to do some work on to make it work but seems like this guy says it's pretty good. So I know SQLite's obviously huge for Dart because of the Flutter, right? Right. So that would make sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I have any other questions and I know that we kept you for quite a while. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, is there anything that you want to kind of shout out to people? Maybe just give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give ServerPod a try and, you know, feel free to send me feedback also. I, I, I check, you know, GitHub issues and there's a discussion board there. Check that every day. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out. And especially if you know you want to work on this project, I, mean, I would love to have a couple more developers on, on there. And hopefully I will be able to pay your salary really soon too. Great, sounds exciting. I think I might give this a try, see how it's any good. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Very cool. And you know, thanks for having me on the podcast and reaching out. And... I appreciate it. Yeah, feel free to come back again when you're, you know, one zero or when you're about to release. If you got some new changes, I would love to talk about this. Yeah, because you're the only one, right, that, that I know of is doing backend stuff with with uh, Dart. Yeah, there have been some other, a few other attempts in the past, but there's really nothing else out there right now. I don't think. Yeah, so this is exciting. So looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your time. Thank you. And uh, yeah, hopefully have you back soon. Yeah, likewise. <laughs>